What the heck, eh? What? Thanks for characterising me as the no fun guy. I don't think you get it at all. <laughs> oh, seriously, man. You're so way past fun. Make a move adventures calling. Forest fires, Google's falling. Take a chance and roll the dice one day. If you're a DM player, find you. Millennials can join this quest too. Expedition, we're gonna find a way. What is my idea of fun? This this episode has been very much inspired by Che Webster's Roleplay Rescue. He's been wrestling for a while now with this topic of seriousness and fun and he has some pretty strong and visceral emotions about it and um, I, I think rather teasingly I, I, I have kind of left a few messages for him or made some comments and maybe he took them in, in the wrong way and maybe was a bit hurt by them and, and I think also my he, he left a very interesting uh, tweet about my role playing is acting um, episode I'll I'll, I'll play the message from him, um, and I think he's right, rightfully indignant that that um, that I was perhaps teasing a bit about seriousness. What the heck, eh? What? Thanks for characterising me as the no fun guy. I don't think you get it at all. <laughs> oh, seriously, man, you're so way past fun. It's clear that you have passion, and there is joy bubbling out of every orifice for you. And it is an amazing thing to hear your passion and enjoyment, and I mean joy. It, you are so beyond fun, and um, that word can't even begin to touch the passion we hear in your voice. Hmm. Anyway, why were you in any way surprised that uh, newbies' model for game in their head is either a computer game or a board game, where yeah, essentially they're if you die you respawn, and if you um, kind of fail you kind of go back and do the bits that you had to do again isn't that kind of the way most gamers think that games are and i and i do this a lot where i sort of um it's probably not a very good habit to be honest but sort of almost almost exploring um the an oppositional position it's not it's not playing devil's advocate it's not trolling it's really just kind of putting myself in, in, in a rather uh, polarised position so I can kind of understand my, my feelings and, and my, my views about it. I'm very slowly driving down Grizzly Peak because um, well, it's a hot day all of a sudden and I've got the windows open and it'll get too noisy otherwise. Um, so thinking about the fun that I have when I run role-playing games it's it's really making me think about about the nature of what 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 we're doing and what specifically i'm doing and and what my players are doing at the table because fun is is very central to it um 
almost all my groups, all my groups, we, we end up laughing a lot. <laughs> often about things happening in the game, quite often about things not happening inside the game. But, you know, we, we, we come together to, to spend time with each other. And, and that has to be fun and it has to have a lightness to it. No matter how serious things get. Now, if you've listened to my last episode, you'll hear how serious things get. Things got pretty damn serious. <laughs> you know, tears around the table is not in anyone's in anyone's mind fun, but it's part of the... I can't think of a better word than part of the pleasure of experiencing a role-playing game comes from, from this heightened state of emotion and awareness. I kind of want to retract something I said during that episode about about how we can achieve these things through through other types of games, through board games, through poker, through through watching and maybe even participating in sport. Those are very different feelings I, I've I've um, I've come to realise since since making that <laughs> recording two days ago and, and thinking about it and thinking, well, yes, maybe the physiological experience of them isn't that different. You, you might have the shakes. Your heart rate might go up. You might feel overcome with, with emotion. But for me, the, the, uh, the emotion of, of losing a board game is, um, you know, one where you're kind of invested and, and um, you know, where you want to win. It's the emotion from losing. It's an emotion from put, having invested something in, in, in whatever this thing is and, and, and being defeated. And that, I think, is the common thread between playing and losing a board game or um watching your your football team lose lose a cup final man i've cried a lot of tears over that (laughs) when i was a younger lad um you know losing losing a really hard fought game of game of tennis um losing money to your friends at poker that hurts that 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 not only hurts it makes you feel bad about yourself um, and it's weird how, how the stakes are amplified way beyond the actual monetary value. You may only have lost a fiver, but it, it feels like you've lost your life savings <laughs> when you get wiped out. Well, at least to me it did. I don't know how it feels to other people. But <laughs> so but all of those types of pain, all those types of um, emotional response to, to losing, and I, and I have framed it in, in that way as, 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 as the, the response to losing, because I, I don't think... I don't think you get the same joy from winning a board game, actually. <laughs> um, but they are fundamentally different to the to the emotion created by perhaps your character dying in a role playing game. But in a way, all of those things are fun. Um, like you know, traveling to a grand football stadium to watch your team play in a Champions League final or an FA Cup final or, or, or whatever. That that the the intensity of that feeling in the build up the anticipation, the the fear, the fear, the, the chance that you might win, the potential to win, all of those things create intense emotion. And 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 then as the game itself plays out on the pitch in front of you, you go through an intense roller coaster of emotions from, from hope to 
joy to misery to deflation to just acceptance and sadness <laughs> that's often the case um, I've seen my team win uh, lose probably more more big games than, than, than they've won but they've had a fair share of victories I don't really follow my team anymore it's after 40 years it's like I'm done that's a bit sad to admit but anyway um, so I think we have a false dichotomy here um, and that's why there are these strong and opposing views is that in role-playing games fun and seriousness are not ends of a spectrum they're actually at the same end of the spectrum for me at least because I think a game for me is, is at its peak is at its pinnacle when you can be deadly serious about about the intent about what everyone is trying to achieve everyone is aligned on this goal dead set laser focused on defeating this ultimate evil um, but at the same time can treat it lightly and joke about it and flip from one minute from being earnest and and raw and angry even anger I see a lot of anger in my players when when confronted with these villains um, sometimes it <laughs> freaks me out a bit <laughs> and maybe you know sometimes I think oh no hang on a minute <laughs> where's this coming from wow are, are you angry at me um I, you know I'm playing this villain now do you want to punch me in the face or do you just want to punch evil in the face <laughs> um but the ability to switch from that 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 kind of intense commitment to to kind of making a flip joke a, a parody a a witticism a, a kind of um a silly reference that's all fine for me <laughs> in fact I, I i think you need that i i think i think you actually need to have the ability to flip between the two otherwise it gets a little bit too intense and and maybe verges into this um kind of uncomfortable space as i said where you're not quite sure whether that player is angry at you <sighs> I think there there is a lot of there's a lot to be unpacked here about about how we internalize and externalize those feelings. Um, there's a there's a term which people use called bleed, um, which I think is a very good term. I, I, I'm sure it wasn't um, wasn't first used in this way in, in role playing games, but. Um, it's where, and I suppose method acting, you could say, is a form of bleed. So this idea has been around a long time, where um, the things that happen in the game start to bleed over into the reality of the players around the table. And we actually see this a lot of the time. It's when, you know, you can't separate what's happening to your character to what's happening to you. And it's a, it's a, it's a very tricky balancing act. It's a, it's a tricky line to toe because you want you want it to some extent but there has to be there has to be a boundary somewhere otherwise things can get really nasty at the table um when when a genuine emotion is is created in in the player that that they can't just compartmentalize and assign to the game and the characters and I, i've seen that happen on many occasions i felt it sometimes actually I felt it sometimes. Um, you know, one of the 
one of the things that's bound to provoke it is is that old hoary old chestnut it's what my character would do to justify some kind of um, some kind of obnoxious behaviour at the table now I I think a lot of it depends on the permission that you have as an individual with that group whether they are you know whether you have permission to behave sometimes in an obnoxious manner because it is what your character would do but if you haven't got that trust and those permissions then certain types of behavior will create bleed that that doesn't stop bleeding um and and can actually hemorrhage <laughs> until there's a big old mess on the game room floor the other interesting thing that Trey Webster um, posted. I, I, he actually wrote a blog post about this, and um, I think he he may have referenced it in in his l- most recent episode of Dungeon Master's Diary. Although um, I've only listened to the first bit of it, so I'll probably <laughs> confirm it later. Um, is that he was kind of responding a bit to my episode about about all the, all the work you put in as a DM, as a GM, and how it's. Um, vastly unbalanced compared to how much work you do as a player and he was pondering on that and I think he's he's experimenting a bit now with with stepping away from being a GM and, and just being a player for a while and he's got a bunch of other reasons for doing that and you can read his blog post about it but that's got me thinking this just can go on and on and on by the way <laughs> Che if you're listening yeah we can keep going on this one forever probably but it's got me thinking um about the difference in in sensation you get as a player versus a GM. And you know, it's a little bit a little bit similar to that feeling you get of if if my if my players hate hate the villain NPC, does that mean they sort of slightly hate me as well? Because I'm playing that villain. <laughs> and in the way that I roleplay, um, I I act. I act as that villain. The words that come out of that villain's mouth are my words. Now, admittedly, I'm doing them in this in this way to provoke a response, to to create hatred. So you could say that I'm just being a good DM. The the the, the less charitable way of looking at it is I have things inside my character, my personality, that are um, let's say able to provoke a uh, a reaction of of. Um, you know, a not very positive reaction in people. You know, where do these words come from? I, I said in my role-playing as acting episode that they sort of emerge from this combination of the um, setting and the culture, the accent, the vocabulary, the speech patterns. So, so the language comes out of that, but it also comes out of you. Of course it does. Now, do I identify with those NPCs? Not really. Yes and no. I do to the extent that they are a fun <laughs> and possibly sometimes quite intense, but more often than not fun um, tool at my disposal to generate more intensity and immersion in the players. If I can play a really convincing bad guy that gets to them, that gets under their skin, and, and this doesn't have to just be done through acting. Don't, don't uh, think that for a minute. Often it's, it's their actions, it's their, it's, it's their motivating drives. That's often what gets under the player's skins. 
but I see it, it coming out the most in these one-to-one confrontations where they get to meet the villain, where they're talking to them, where they're, where they're really feeling the true depths of their depravity or evil or, or malevolence. Three words meaning the same thing, I suppose. Um, tautology. Tautology is my fortology. Um, so I'm having fun playing those characters, those NPCs. I, I would say that that is a different quality to, to what the feeling you get when you role played a single character who is, in, in essence, your representation, your soul representation, your soul way of touching this game world. When you've played that character for 10 months, I think that's a very different feeling. I would never cry at the loss of an NPC. I may probably, I could probably say I probably wouldn't cry at the loss of a PC either, um, but I felt bad at times, probably for narrative reasons and structural reasons, when, when NPCs that I really enjoyed playing and I thought were very important to the game were taken out of the game in some way, either through being killed or being sidelined or just because the players moved on. So I felt a sense of loss, but it's more of, oh, I was having fun with that. Can't we do a bit more of that? I, I, oh, I, there's a character in Masks, Lars Torvik, who is the captain of the Ivory Wind, this ship that's being used to transport um, artifacts to various places around the world by the Penhu Foundation, the, the sort of evil organization behind everything. You, you know that, don't you, players? You do know that by now. If you don't, I, I'm <clears throat> anyway... They know it. Um, so, so the captain of that ship is this guy called Lars Torvik, who's a Norwegian, and he's um, a very—he's—he's uh, he's like he likes his drink a bit too much, and he's very kind of um, kind of a gloomy character. So, I sort of was channeling. Um, I, I was I was um, I was sort of channeling Werner Herzog. <laughs> You know, because he's a great Cthulhu character, call a Cthulhu character. He has stared into the void and all he sees is pain, suffering and misery. I think he actually said that in an interview. He is literally a um, an investigator that's down to his last 10 sanity. So so I was having so much fun role-playing him. Um, and and um, he was actually becoming a little bit allied to the characters because they'd convinced him that what he was doing was deeply wrong and that they'd sensed his sense of shame and guilt over over this thing, these things that he was doing. And then they, they actually showed him some of the horrendous artifacts in the hold of his ship, including a pair of human feet, just the skin from human feet um, nailed to a wooden board. Um, but he, but he just drifted off. I mean, they actually got him arrested. <laughs> they got him locked up by the by the by the Rosas because um, you know there was some illegal business going on and they were smuggling and and uh, that was it. Well, <clears throat> it's possible he might come back at some point, but but he was taken out of it. So I, I felt a bit upset about that, but only because I was having fun playing him. I didn't I didn't feel for his fate. Now, when you're playing a character. You, you, uh, who is your character, your PC? You care about what happens to them. It's not just I miss having fun with that. You actually start identifying, and and that bleed, that that transmission of emotion from what theoretically the character is feeling to what you're feeling is a very potent part of the of the fun seriousness of playing role playing games. And you kind of have to commit to the seriousness for that to happen. 
role-playing games are a weird thing to do. I think when people come into the hobby who haven't done it before, I think it, there's this sort of adjustment period where, they, where they're trying to figure out what the hell this thing is. And can we, as a group maintain this illusion of the seriousness of what we're doing because if you can't maintain that illusion everything just breaks down into into silliness and and i think that when and 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 here's probably the difference silliness and fun are not the same thing there are elements of silliness in fun but um without without the serious undertone to that fun i think silliness just becomes a a breakdown of the of the agreement you're making in that game. Because then I think people can start to feel either, I don't know, de demeaned in some way or for taking it seriously, or just the group consensus says, you know, we, we don't really believe in this world. So let's just throw everything onto the floor. And look, you can have fun playing that way. Paranoia, I've only played it once as a player, never GM'd it. That's totally that mode, and actually is is a great game, and and has been around for a long time, and, and has 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 fans. I don't I don't think you'd ever play a campaign of it, at least not with the same group of characters. But um, silliness has its place, but um, fun, fun and seriousness, as I said before, I think that they're they're actually not in opposition. I think they're intertwined with each other. And if I think about the feeling I get after finishing a, a great game, a great session, and really I can only speak of this as a, as a games master, I, I, I'm never able to go to bed after finishing a game. I have to stay up for a certain period of time just, just to kind of process what's happened. My feelings are too heightened. I couldn't just lie down and go to bed. Um, I have to, I have to decompress, decompose. <laughs> the pressure valve has to has to be released. Um, you know, it's not. It can be adrenaline. Often, it's not adrenaline. Um, it's not like the 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 adrenaline needs to pass out of my bloodstream. Sometimes it is when it's a very intense fight, when you're on the edge of either victory or defeat. But I think. I think it's it's just because you're you're going into this other mode, um, you know. They, psychologists talk about flow, about getting into something so much that you stop thinking about anything else, um, or rather, to be more precise, that you stop thinking about the thing you're doing and it's just happening. And at the same time, you're not being distracted. It's this sort of weird high concentration with no concentration thing, and and we've all experienced it. Um, one of the places you can get is by is, is when you're having a really good game of pinball, <laughs> because you're just you're not really thinking about what you're doing. You might be planning what you're trying to do, but the way it's it's coming out is pure instinct. And I think that sense of flow is something that happens when you have a great role playing session, when everyone is there in the moment, fully present, fully having fun, and fully serious. Well, I hope that was of interest. I have received a quite a number of call-ins over the last few weeks that all in some way or other either directly or indirectly relate to this topic of seriousness and fun and um, I'm just going to play a bunch of them now and and then and, and then I'll kind of I, I suppose respond 
to them as best I can en masse. Um, there's some good stuff here. Give it a listen. Hey, Andy, Jason here. Just want to say I enjoyed your latest episode. As far as horror goes, yeah, I agree with you. I, I definitely think too much comedy can skew a campaign, a long-term campaign. But I think you need to have some, and I think, like you say, you're going to have some. I do think it's possible to run a totally serious one-shot. And by that, I mean a one-session game, maybe a two-session game. When I've run ICRPG Colonial Gothic, those games were totally serious. The players didn't joke. But we did had that discussion before the game and said, you know, we're not going to joke around, we're going to treat this seriously. And we did. And the same thing with the, um, I played in a Black Lake campaign by, by the author of that, that ICRPG supplement, which is basically Delta Green for ICRPG. And, and that game we played was totally serious. Everybody went in there with that mindset and very effective. But you have to have the right group of players to do that. And, and that kind of worries me a little bit. I've got a Weird War Vietnam game coming up that I would kind of like to play as a totally serious game. I don't know that the players are going to let that happen. I kind of think there's going to be joking around, which is fine, and I, I can accept that, and it'll just, you know, play as a, you know, lighter-hearted game, which is cool, because I'll enjoy that too. But, yeah, you can't force players to be serious. So if you don't have players that want to be, you just need to accept, hey, we're going to have joking around and go for it. And it can be totally fun and totally great either way. So it's not that one's wrong or one's better than the other, because it's not. But you definitely have to have the right people to do it. So talk to you later. Hi, Andy. It's Laren. Sorry if I sound funny. My allergies are acting up this morning. Oh, so annoying. Um, I just listened to your episode where you played my comment and then you played Barney's comment. And, you know, it's funny. When I sent that comment initially, I think that what I was thinking was a lot more in depth than what I said. One of the problems is that if I go in full depth, I would be sending people seven or eight messages. And, you know, I realized when I listened to Barney's message that I definitely sometimes need to do the recording and send the recording. So I'm not worried about that one minute thing, because I think, you know, when we played that 10 candles game, what became really obvious to me was that uh, humor is awesome. I mean, there's a lot of humor in the games that we play uh, in that game group, and we're still playing together, and it, it, we still have a great time. All right, back in a second. And I absolutely think that humor is a wonderful thing, and I don't think it is misplaced in a horror game at all. I, I didn't mean to say that. I think, you know, when Barney said that his characters are often or a, a caricature and there's a lot of humor and he wants to be smiling when he's doing what he's doing. I totally understand that feeling. I feel much the same way. Once it becomes a slog, if it becomes difficult, and I, I mean, I have had very little experience with that because I've always had a great time. I think I've been really lucky with the people that I've gamed with. Um, once it becomes a slog, I, I'm like, why am I doing this? Like, this is supposed to be fun. This is supposed to be entertainment. This is supposed to be me being creative. Like for me, it really is a creative outlet too. And, and I think that's why, like when Barney was playing Anton Quebec, I, I, it, I could sense that he was having a great time. 
and at no time was I thinking, oh my goodness, Mr. Loco Ludus needs to take this much more seriously. I mean, really, I wasn't. I, It's so funny to me. It's like, I think the aspect I'm talking about is that in our game of 10 Candles, and yes, you have that game right, you know when you start that game, the one thing you know for sure is at the end of that game, you will be dead. Um, uh, I, the thing about that was, in the moments when something happened, or or something uh, dark happened especially, um, that is when, what I was really... <clears throat> excuse me, talking about was the fact that that player, it's almost like when things get too intense, their immediate reaction is, okay, uh, we need to lighten this immediately because it's uncomfortable. And that isn't a bad thing. I'm not saying that, you know, is a terrible way to game. Really, my point was, in the moment when something would happen and it would be that way, it just immediately struck me that the moments of discomfort, the moments of, um, and that game wasn't really gory. So it wasn't like our forget me not because you know, some of the things that happened in forget me not were just really gory. Um, that didn't happen in 10 candles. It's kind of more of a, a psychological thriller sort of, um, thing. Um, I think in those moments, it just became very obvious to me that he does not uh, sit in those moments of discomfort. He has to immediately relieve the pressure of that. <clears throat> and I think that was my point. It was an observation. It did not ruin my experience of the game. Really, <clears throat> really all it did is make me wonder, I wonder what playing this game would be like with someone who didn't do that. With someone who was able to kind of sit in the discomfort some when, when something like that happens. And I think in Forget-Me-Not, certainly there were times when something would happen and, and there would be like a moment of all of us just kind of going, ew, or like, <laughs> you know, stopping to contemplate that for a minute before reacting. And um, I, I absolutely love that game. I felt like it was a real privilege to play. And I would love to play with that group of people again. You know, I have had that experience with every game I have played with that community. It has been so much fun. So anyways, thank you for a wonderful episode. Barney, thank you for your thoughtful comment. That was really fascinating having been a player in that game to hear your thoughts. So, all right, guys, have a good one. Hey Andy, it's Jay. Um, already two episodes behind. I just listened to horror and humour in games. Just, thanks for that. It's great. Um, and uh, yeah, Barney's thoughts and Liren's thoughts just uh, fab. Absolutely. Um, I I think that you're really showing that you know you've developed a real deep understanding of of your genre, the the games that you're playing, and it's it's fantastic to hear you talk about the difference between sort of one shots and ongoing campaigns. And absolutely, there's place for humour. I think, you know, humour is part of the human condition, isn't it? It's part of, like, what makes us who we are. And so that comes through the character. But I think it's all the better when it comes from the character, from a place of real identification with the character and it, it welling up from within the character rather than within the player. Um, I don't know quite if that makes sense, but there you go. There's my thought. Just thank you so much. Keep podcasting, dude. And I'll catch up when I can. Game on. So, Jason from Nerds RPG Variety Cast and Liren from Updates in the Middle of Nowhere, they both talk about 
I guess you could say about taking horror seriously and 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 also about having fun in a horror game and and how there's a you know tricky and delicate little balance there to be had um you know i did an episode a, way, a little while back where i talk about horror and humor and about my approach to it and and how it changes really depending on the type of game that i'm running um but um but there is something specific about the type of fun you have um, whilst whilst be, whilst whilst being in a experience experiencing horror, I suppose. Um, I touch on this also a bit in my in my conversation with with um, Scott Dawood, where we talk about his contributions to the Masters of Night Lathotep and Blackwater Creek. And there is a certain deliciousness in wallowing in the horrific. I think it's pretty common to to all human beings. It's it's a very big part of every culture is an exploration of of, of the horrible things that can happen to human beings. Um, often it is portrayed in a funny way. You know, the the, the basis of comedy <laughs> I've heard is is just a man falling over on his face <laughs> you know that, that is inside that is designed <laughs> not designed that is that is so, somehow pre-programmed to elicit um a laughter response now why we laugh i look i'm no anthropologist um but as far as i know as far as i'm aware um the laughter response is actually to show kind of submission to to the group or, or, or at least to say that I'm on your side to show that you're not a threat, to um, position yourself in, in, in a, you know, in a, in a position of, of either submission or, or alliance with, with the group. Um, so we laugh at that because everyone laughs at that. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's not um, something inherent, but we're sort of trained to laugh at someone else's misfortune. <laughs> so. In a horror situation, I, I think that the more extreme and the more vivid and 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 descriptive you get with the horror, I, I think you both can generate a, a, a repulsion and an attraction to that, um, a flinch and a chortle. So, so yeah, it's fun. Um, I'm not sure how serious it is, though. Is horror serious? Hmm. I think it can grapple with some some pretty serious ideas, but in itself, the the kind of structure of horror seems to imply a more I don't know. It it doesn't seem to demand deep reflection on the meaning. It's more like. It's more like a ride that you're going on when you're experiencing a horror story. So, yeah. Thanks, guys, for that. Hi, Andy. Thanks for a fabulous Lorenko episode. Um, In fact, I've not finished listening, but I just wanted to call in to talk about um, my experience being similar to yours. It's not about nostalgia for me. It's very much about unfinished business. I hear people talking about the amazing experiences they've had 
And uh, yeah, I missed out on that and I want some of that. Also, you are a hero, you big silly. In fact, we've got a name for you. Super Potentious. And don't drop the pedantry. I live for that shit. So, bring it on. Hi Andy. Um, I really enjoyed your look at the 5e box sets. Um, it pretty much confirmed my uh, assumptions about them. Although I'm surprised that the the essentials box set, the um, the campaign there, yeah, it does sound um, a little lame, I guess. Um, but it does, yeah, it also sounds like a great little box set though. Um, I do have the Rick and Morty one, as you know, and while I'm pleased that I have that, I don't feel I'm any closer to playing 5e. Um, I guess I was a little disappointed that it is Rick and Morty essentially playing D&D rather than a Rick and Morty setting, but, um, yeah, still makes for a very fun read. Hey, Andy. How's it going, man? I'm just out grilling a pork loin. Got the charcoal going. A little bit of IPA. Hot bullet double IPA from Sierra Nevada. Tall boy. Was listening to a little Grizzly Peaks radio. I haven't been listening to many podcasts lately. But this one caught my attention because it was about a game I played in, so my narcissistic ass had to immediately hit play. I'm not sure how I come down on that Tales from the Loop system, man. But no bother, no bother. We had fun. We explained it well as we went along. Excuse me for a minute. I'm going to have to sear this. It occurs to me that we should probably play the teenage version of those characters before we skip right on to the 20 year reunion uh, you know as easy as it was to get us all together the first time we might as well just stretch it out as much as possible okay Andy my friend, don't hang up on me, but maybe system didn't matter because the roles didn't matter because you're a fudging them. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Hey, that is the best sell. You know, you'll see like online in forums, they'll say, sell me on this game. You sold Tales from the Loop. Thank you so much. That is, you know, I've read a little bit here or there. I've never played it. haven't read the rules. I don't own it. But you sold Tales from the Loop. Thank you so much for talking about it. Talk a little bit about the mechanics, the relationships with the players. You did a wonderful job, my friend, and you, you sold me on wanting to play that game. So, all joking aside, seriously, thank you. Talk to you later. 
and then um, and then some really um, cool messages from Spencer and some typically um, unique messages from TJ always love getting messages from you guys and and yeah you're talking about you know the f- the fun of playing um, and somehow that it's it's separate that that it, it isn't necessarily determined by by the type of game you're playing um, I think particularly TJ was was talking about that um, I'm sorry if I didn't manage to convey the rules very well to you um, I'm I'm surprised you didn't like the system that much um, so maybe system doesn't matter eh <laughs> maybe you just l- like hanging out with a with a bunch of loonies on on a discord um, then you don't need any system at all do you yeah <laughs> so uh, look I, th- I think we're done with the topic I've rambled on far too long um, people's messages speak for themselves um, as indeed does this last one from a certain Sir Colin of the Green well 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 what do you know the low down cheating mother fudger is maybe a reformed character and about time too I mean, if you want to impress those three uh, succubus nurses or suck your boy, suck your whatever, I don't know, you're going to need to come out from behind that screen sooner or later. Or uh, can't see him being interested, mate. Not enough lead in your pencil for that, I don't reckon. <laughs> ah, you need to be a hardcore DM. Roll them dice in the open. Let them fall where they may. You're going to fudge them dice, Andy. You might as well not roll them. Might as well not roll them, mate. Just make up your answers. And don't get me started on random tables. I know a few people who don't follow the results of random tables. It's all nonsense. And YouTube. There's YouTube videos, is there? Must be right, then. It's a game we're role-playing. I'm a stranger and you're making mistakes.